welcome to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant, and Practical Family exists to help families just like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Jen here, and today we are on episode 37, talking about raising strong parents in a child-centered culture. Oh, you are going to enjoy this one because one of my favorite people in the world, Arlene Pelican, is on again with us today. I interviewed Arlene last year, and I'll have that link in the show notes today, but she was with me on the podcast to talk about how to stay calm, cool, and connected to our digital devices while not placing them in front of our families. That was another awesome episode, and today she is back because we are promoting her new book called Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. And I tell you what, this book is all about what we do here at Practical Family, how we encourage you to build the strong spiritual foundations that your kids need, the the strong emotional foundation that that some of us maybe lacked growing up because our parents maybe didn't understand it or their parents didn't. And so now that you have the understanding and the self-awareness to understand how to build those strong foundations for family. So today, listen in as Arlene and I talk about what it means to be a leader in your home. A little bit about our guest today. Arlene has three children and she's married to her husband James. They live in San Diego, California. She has written other books that include Growing Up Social, Raising Relational Kids in a Screen-Driven World. That one she co-wrote with Dr. Gary Chapman, who's the author of The Five Love Languages and others. Arlene has also written books like 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. That's one of my favorite devotionals ever. Guys, you need to pick that up. And she's also written 31 Days to a Happy Husband. Arlene has been featured on shows like Fox and Friends, Focus on the Family, Family Life Today, The 700 Club, and Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. I actually met her at the She Speaks conference last year, and she is without a doubt one of the happiest people I've ever met. Listen in on my conversation with Arlene Pelican as we talk about raising strong parents in a child-centered culture. Oh, well, Arlene, I have had a, a blast just reading through your new book. I mean, I love all your books. I can't get enough of them because it's so right up my alley and what <laughs> I'm currently going through with raising small children. But this one particularly has been like the crux of everything that we want to talk about in encouraging parents to rise and be the parents God has called them to be. So thank you. Thank you for writing it and thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Jen. It makes me, you know, it's so encouraging to hear that, okay, you write this and then, okay, good, this is making sense. This is connecting with people. So I'm really glad you liked the book. Oh, yes. And and just as you're in your other books too, when we, we talked last year about um, the connection of, of social media and um, being calm, cool, and connected, right, as adults, right. I love how you address that as adults and then and, and because you've talked about parenting and marriage before, but now in this book, Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. 
<laughs> that's our goal. That's our goal as parents. And I love that you're giving the same type of strategies to help us to be better parents. What I wanted to, to start with today was this idea of confident parenting. Why do we have to tell ourselves, okay, I'm the parent. I'm the parent. My child is not the boss of me. I am the parent. Why do you think that we, we tend to be afraid to have that authority or or not have as much authority as we should in our home. This is when the old school parenting, they, you know, a lot of times we'll think what is new, oh, that's what's best, you know, because it's new. Mm. But when you look at old school parenting, it's like they didn't have these questions. You know, now we're trying to get our children to obey us. It was just understood by our grandmother, right? <laughs> that our mothers <laughs> would obey them, you know. So it is this idea of going back and the pendulum has swung too far. Maybe before it was the parent is the, you know, authority and the child must be silent. Well, today it's the child is the authority and it's the parent that has to be silent. And so we're trying to swing that pendulum back where the parent, once again, is the authority with the guidelines, with the boundaries, not afraid to be called the mean mom or the mean dad, but that parent is there and we're not trying to be a best friend. We're not going for a popularity contest. We're not, you know, checking our pulse with all the neighbors around us to make sure we're doing it like them, but we're not afraid to rise and do it on our own and do what we know is right for our home. So it's really a call to parents to say, Hey, we, the Bible tells us that parents are to be honored. Honor your father and your mother mm. so that your children will be blessed. So if you want blessed and happy kids, it's not about like, oh, let's give them everything they want. It actually begins with, hey, let's get the order right and have them honor us, respect us as parents and authorities. And guess what? They will be blessed and so much happier as a result. And you will too, right? As a parent. Mm -hmm. So it's that call to parents, like, don't be afraid. Because I think psychology has told us, you know, oh, let them have their self-esteem and, you know, don't crush them and make sure they feel loved and secure and don't question them or, you know, don't, you know, rein them in. But the truth Truth is that your teachers, your pediatricians, your, you know, other fellow parents will say, what is going on with these kids that they are so bold, right? And not listening to authority. Mm -hmm. And so that has backfired on us. And so we need to come back as parents and just do these very basic biblical principles of children obey your parents and not the other way around. Mm. I like how you touch on the idea of order. In your book, you talk about we're having a crisis of leadership. Can you speak to the role of the parent as the leader and what mm -hmm. it is that, that we may be missing in that? Yeah, it's this to realize that, like you said, the order is so important that you just don't get on the freeway and just like, watch out. You know, I mean, there is an order to it and that keeps you safe. And so for children, when they have parents who understand that I am the parent in this relationship, you know, I will set the rules, I will set the guidelines, that order provides security for the child. And so instead of thinking, how can I be my child's friend, for you to think, how can I bring more order, more routine? more boundaries. And even if your toddler or your teenager, right, is looking at you like, I don't want rules or routines or boundaries. You know, <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. The truth is 
that kids do want that order and those routines because it makes them feel safe. It's the whole idea that if you know these are the parameters, uh, you feel like I know where I am versus this wide open space where you have no idea where things start and stop. I'll give you an example. I was listening to a mom and she was telling me that there was a girl, a friend of, of her daughter's who actually pretends to have all these rules that her parents impose because it makes her feel loved. Mm. So she has a parent that's just like, whatever, come home whenever, do whatever you want, do whatever you want with your phone, all this. Well, the girl will say, I have to go home now because my mom expects me when they know that that's not true. But the daughter pretends it's true because it feels so safe to know that someone cares enough about me to set rules. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, what I'm trying to say is don't think that, oh, if I'm a permissive parent, if I don't um, you know, insist on order and honor and all these kinds of things, my, my child will like me better. The truth is your child really is looking for order and routine and it makes them feel secure. So don't be afraid to step up and to step into that role. And if you feel like, well, I'm not like so many of us were doubting, right? We're not sure, like, am I doing this right? Am yeah. I, who am I to say for my teenager or my child? Maybe I don't know. But the truth is simply because God created you to be that mom, to be that dad, simply by who you are, it is enough. And be open to learning, open to correction. You know, you're listening to this podcast, which already speaks so well of you that you are trying to learn and you want to grow. So just keep seeking that wisdom and God will give it to you and step out in faith and in boldness as a parent. And even, you know, with your posture, if you feel like all hunched over and, you know, like I can't do this, just stand up straight <laughs> and fake it till you make it. Like yeah. pretend like I am the role model. I am the adult here. And yes, you will do what I say, even if in your mind, you're like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. You know, right. fill your mind with those positive affirmations. In the back of Parents Rising, there's a Parents Rising manifesto that you can read. And some of it you're going to be like, I am not that strong, you know, but you just keep reading it until you start believing it, internalizing it. And it's so important to fill your mind with that positive mindset that I am the parent. And yes, my children will do what I tell them to do simply because I am the parent. Mm -hmm. You are enough. You are enough. We, we've been given the privilege and responsibility to raise these beautiful babies. And what God has given us, he's equipped us for. And I absolutely love that. And, and that's believing, right? That's a huge part of identity that I think we, we need to keep hearing as, as, yeah. as mothers, as fathers, that that wisdom doesn't come just because of position. It comes when we're able to submit ourselves to a God who knows what we need when we need it. And he, and he knows what our children need. I love um, listening to, uh, or actually I was at a conference recently where Francis Chan was and he and his wife were there speaking about, you know, raising godly children. And when we have the end in sight, right? And you talk about in the book about, about that, the, the goal right. setting yes. part of it. And I have to tell myself sometimes, okay, I if I try too hard in the moment to make like the perfect child or stress mm -hmm. out about them being obedient right. or not, you know, yeah. they're always going to rebel because I rebel to, to right. God. Like I think I know what's best for me and I don't, you know. Um, but if we reverse engineer and let our goals drive our actions, that same spirit of God that's in me is also in my children. And mm -hmm. if I'm giving that to them. Can you talk to us a little bit about, Arlene, how – we can, as parents, instill that that trust and that love of God in our mm -hmm. routines and the home. Yes. 
Yeah. And just think of it like weaving. How can I weave God's word and prayer in everyday life, like just throughout the day? Because obviously you want to go to church on Sundays. Maybe your child is involved in a Wednesday night activity or something. And that is all wonderful. And that's good. But if that's all they see of faith, you know, just when we are in church, we have this, but then everything else is kind of the same as normal than your neighbor that is not a Christian. Then that's like kind of soul searching for us as parents of how can we make our daily life look different because our children are like little disciples. They're watching us. And if we're counting on the youth pastor or the children's pastor to do it all, then we're really missing out. So what does this look like? This looks like, cause you know, people think I don't have, you know, a degree in the Bible. Like how am I supposed <laughs> to do this? Or I'm not like on my knees all day. How am I supposed to do this? And it's really simple. It's when your child comes home and they say, this girl was so mean to me and you listen and they say, you know what? Let's just pray for this girl. Lord, we pray for mean Betsy <laughs> and we pray God <laughs> that you would touch her heart, that you would change her and give us patience towards her in Jesus name. Amen. Mm-hmm. And it's just short. It doesn't have to be this long thing like, oh boy, here we go. Mom's going to pray now, you know, (laughs) but that they see that when there is a problem, when there's a concern, where there's something you need, we just naturally bring that to God in prayer. And then we watch and see like, how does God answer that prayer? And then, you know, I always joke and tell parents, when you hear the pitter of patter of feet towards you, you can just like grab your Bible and just start reading. Oh, hi, honey. I'm (laughs) reading my Bible. You know, you can totally (laughs) fake it. I think this is okay because just your kids need to catch you reading so that when they leave your home, it's not like, I never saw my parent read the Bible or I never heard my mom or dad pray out loud. You want that to be a normal rhythm of life that they're accustomed to. So immerse them right in the word of God and in prayer and, and believe it or not, you might do it for the reasons of your children. Like I want to raise good children, so I'm going to do it, but it'll catch you. You know, you will be blessed by incorporating prayer and the word of God more in your house. So I know people who leave a Bible on their breakfast table so that when they're getting ready for breakfast, they might read a few Proverbs and then talk about them. You might have a favorite devotional. So whatever works for your family. And I encourage you, I am like every other mom who has bought all these amazing devotionals just to have them sit on the shelf and realize, oh, I'm so behind. Like, what have I done? And so (laughs) when you are there, you just begin again and start again and just start weaving the word of God and prayer so that your kids see this is real for my parent and they begin to internalize it. And then when you see your kids, you know, like reading their Bible at night on their own, it's like, oh, this is so good. Like they are building this habit because they see it and it's part of the culture of the house. Mm, Absolutely. Amen. Creating that culture doesn't happen overnight, does it? It's it's little decisions every day. And and I like that encouragement that even when we feel behind, that it's it's okay. Just start again. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Start right now. Pick it up right now. Put it on your table. <laughs> Have it there as a reminder. Yeah. It works. This is actually a good segue into if we want to see certain behavior out of our children and First, us modeling it and us speaking it and creating that culture. I tend to think that the things that we allow into our home, whether it's physical things, toys, distractions, or digital things, we seem to be in this culture of entertainment, like we're, we have access to all of this and we have the choice and we often use it as an escape or as a, as a reward. And I think that's okay to a point, but when it's 
when it takes over the entire culture of our home, then we're not able to see, oh, well, I, I, I don't have time for Bible study. How, when are we going to do devotions? Because we do this and that. Well, yeah, because the TV's on all the time. Right. You know, and so how do, can we start to think about how to see entertainment in our home and how to prioritize God above that? This is a huge, huge thing because our generation is the first to have, oh, look at this. We don't just have a television. We've got a phone. We've got an iPad. We have video games. We have streaming shows. So amusement is not the highest priority for your child. That's the first strategy from parents rising. Mm -hmm. But in reality, amusement's really easy because when you're tired, you can say like, oh, well, at least they're not in trouble. You know, they're playing their little game. But the truth is your child needs like they, if they grow up and all their spare time is around a device, then when they leave your home and launch as an adult, there are so many things that they're lacking. And so as a parent, you've got to be able to set that guard around your house. And practically speaking, I think that guard looks like what's the content, right, of what they're watching? Are the video games violent? Um, is there language? Are they sexualized? These are very important questions as you have growing boys. Like what is the content of what they're watching? For the girls, the social media, the TV programs. And, you know, it's as simple as ABC, A, what's the attitude of my child when they're done watching this or doing this? B, what kind of behavior is glamorized or shown by this program, by this video game? And then C, character. What kind of character traits is this developing in my child? You know, oh, laziness, sassing off, you know, that mm -hmm. you realize like, that's really something. And so then you as a parent, you know, you stand at the gate of your home. You may live in a wicked culture, but when it comes to what comes into your home through the devices, that's still your territory that you can say, oh, I'm not pleased with the things you're watching or the kind of attitude you have after your phone. So I will collect your phone for a week or I will collect your phone Overnight, every night is what I suggest to parents. And so, you know, there are things you can do to set limits to make sure, because the thing is, how sad if we say, kids, you know, don't go out on the streets and play because we're afraid, stranger danger, you know, of someone who's going to come get you. And so now they're indoors with their games, with their phones, with their programs, and we're losing their souls because most of the programming, right, that kids are looking at, it's not like, oh, I am learning my multiplication table or I'm learning another language or I'm reading the Bible right now. That's not the kinds of things the kids are doing. Mm. And whether it's overtly evil or just a waste of time, right. you know, like there's right. nothing wrong with this cute cat video. But if I spend two hours a day watching them instead of learning something else that could be more useful in my life, that's simply a waste of time. And mm. so we have to, as parents, redirect that to make sure that the amusement is more limited so it's like a reward. It's something fun to look forward to instead of something for hours every day we get to enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, I can feel the, the guilt coming on sometimes when, when I want my children to have childhood experiences, certain childhood experiences maybe that have, um, that have been part of my past or my husband's past, you know, when you mm -hmm. come together and, right. you know, but like, like this week, my, 
husband wanted to sit down with the kids and take them through the the Hobbit series that he enjoyed. And that's based on great classic literature, right? There's a video series, but it's something that he enjoyed as a child. But it was also something that he sat and watched with them and talked about it and, you know, engaged in the experience, which is great. And that that wasn't part of my experience or childhood, but I was happy to have daddy be a part of that with them. That is one example of how we can be actively involved. But there are other things things that flat out waste of time. And you know what? Viewing something together, a movie, TV show together is way different than everyone viewing by themselves. Mm -hmm. So something Mm -hmm. you actually watch together, you're talking about it, you're interacting about it, you get your little inside jokes from it. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is something to be encouraged. I think that's something when we're like, oh, let's get the TV so we can all watch it together, you know, this nice flat screen TV. And so that I think is positive. But most of the time, we're kind of like on our own devices. But when we can get all around together, I think that's good. But most of the time for parents, like once our kid is watching something, we're like, oh, quick, let's go get something done, right? Or whatever Mm -hmm. we want to watch is not what they want to watch. But when you can find those things together, I think that's really healthy and good for a family. Good. Okay. One last thing, Arlene, before we finish this up, I noticed that as I was reading through the first part of your book, you start with a quiz and this is the How Healthy Is Your Home quiz. And, mm-hmm. and I love it because it's short and sweet. And one of the questions you ask on there has to do with marriage. Okay, I'm reading through it and I'm going, all right, as a parent, do I do this? Do I do that with my kids? Oh, wait, hold on. Am I, right. am I, being, am I with my spouse? You know? and, right. so, and I love that you included that because marriage is even, even one of your eight strategies that what, what does developing a relationship with your spouse have to do with being a good parent? Everything if you are married. So yeah, if, you, yeah. if you are married, if you have that really close, healthy relationship with your spouse, it does so much for your kids. It gives them the security that my parents will stay together. It gives mm-hmm. them the hope of marriage and a family for the future and like an excitement and anticipation for marriage. It gives them something stable in their life. And so for parents, you know, so many times, of course, when you're first married, you know, we have friends that are engaged and my husband's like, look at them. They are a mess, right? (laughs) Because they're just like so, you know, excited to be with each other. And so when you're when you're married, all that attention's flowing between the husband and wife. But when that child comes in the picture, the, you know, the flow completely changes, you know, everything is directed towards your child. And then as the child grows up, many times that direction never changes. And so the direction of love just keeps going from parent to child. And when the 18 years are over, you look at each other as husband and wife, and you're like, what are we supposed to do now? You know, and you don't want to be in that place. And so it's very important throughout parenting that you prioritize your marriage. And these can be little things like, hey, if my spouse talks to me, like I actually pivot away from my phone and listen to them and I care about what they say. You know, I always joke that if your kid says, can I have a glass of water? You're like, oh, here you go. Here's fresh spring water that is so healthy. You know, here you go. And if your spouse asks, you're like, get it yourself, you know? <laughs> and so we just have to have that shift where if my spouse needs something, I respond to them also mm-hmm. and that we make time for date nights and we will do an overnight every once in a while together, things like that, mm-hmm. that prioritize a marriage because you don't become one with your son or with your daughter. You become one with your spouse 
and your kids will be the ones to leave. So wouldn't it make sense that really the relationship to invest in is your spouse because they're always going to be there. And so it's just this whole idea of, okay, parenting is so consuming, but we must make time for the marriage too. And just make that really practical and put date night on the calendar. You've been listening to my conversation with Arlene Pelicane, author of the book, Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. Arlene has also written books like Calm, Cool, and Connected, Five Digital Habits for a More Balanced Life, and that one is directed more toward adults. I got so much out of this simple little publication, and it is just so packed with truths for today, truths for tomorrow and beyond because we are in this digital age. It is not going anywhere anytime soon and we need to be aware of how to use our tools wisely. Arlene has also co-authored a book with Gary Chapman, author of The Five Love Languages. They wrote a book called Growing Up Social, Raising Relational Kids in a Screen-Driven World. So talking about all the technology issues, Arlene attacks the issue of how to responsibly use the tool of technology with our kids as they're growing up and how they can learn to be responsible and not driven by their screens. One of my last favorite books that Arlene has written are her devotionals. I love reading her 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. Thank you for supporting us here at Practical Family. Be sure to visit the website, practicalfamily.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. So anytime you see anything there, please share it. Or go ahead and log on and like us, follow us, and your friends will see that you did, which is a cool thing. It helps us to get out there too. Thank you again for listening. This has been the Practical Family Podcast, where we are encouraging you to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Thank you.